Today we're looking at Daniel 4. And why are we doing that? I've seen a couple of things recently that have made me think that things are changing in the world we're living in, in a way that, well, Daniel 4 addresses, and it may help us with our concerns about what we see going on. Firstly, I saw a comment from a guy I respect. He's been a missionary all his life, and he's very well known. And he was commenting on the increasing authoritarian moves of governments in what we think of as democracies. And posting on X, formerly Twitter, he said, I will live to see the end of democracy in the USA, and my children will see the end of democracy in Europe. Um, he He's a guy who's got Parkinson's disease, and he's living with that, and the way that's going. And, uh, you know, that was a sobering moment for me to see that. And then we've got this week um, the launch of an inquiry by the UK Home Secretary into the activities of British churches who are being characterised as promoting um, bogus asylum claims because people have come to the UK as refugees. Once here from their countries of origin, they are now free as the believers that they were before, to publicly be baptised, to declare their faith. And that's been characterised as really taking advantage of the churches, uh, conning them that these people have become Christians and, and therefore using the churches to advance their asylum claims to say they can't go back to their country because they have become Christians. Well, the book of Daniel came about in and four times when certainly democracy was not the experience of the then people of God. It's hubristic, excessively so, to think that any political system will last forever, said my friend on Twitter. But frankly, our current situation scares me. The situation of those guys in Babylon, Daniel and his friends, was one that could have been very scary. How How is that addressed? in the course of the book. Well, firstly, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there were four of them, their situation, what was it? They'd been living in God's country, uh, supposed to be protected by him. But their people had been, there's that word again, hubristic, um, arrogant, proud, and rebelled against and turned against God. And God took their country down, using the Babylonians, and the boys were dragged off to Babylon, with every other bright and best lad from Jerusalem, and made a study to become experts in the fortune-telling of the brutal Babylonian empire. That was their situation. They were living under a brutal, non-democratic regime. And secondly then, and this is the second thing we're looking at, how does God make sense of brutal, absolute government for those who are subject to it? Well, in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel was set the impossible task of telling the king what the content was of a scary dream the king had had. Impossible for the best of Babylon, which took pride in its fortune tellers, dream interpreters and all those things, tellers of the future. But with the executioner at the door, Daniel declared that his God was the God who could reveal mysteries, and then God did so for him to cut the long story short. And the chapter ends with King Nebuchadnezzar declaring that Daniel's God was the God who reveals mysteries, things we don't understand. 
So the God of the Bible is shown to have superior knowledge to the best of Babylon's experts, superior knowledge. And then in chapter 3, the next chapter, this proud and brutal king makes a huge statue of himself and requires everyone who is anyone to worship the statue, which we know, because we've read chapter 2 carefully, is a statue of him. And the Jewish lads just don't get down and worship. And the penalty for them is to be thrown into a fiery furnace, heated up to full power. And the biggest and strongest of Babylon's warriors are commissioned to tie the boys up and throw them Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Somehow Daniel's not involved. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego throw them into this fiery furnace. And they go to the door and they throw these boys in. And the strongest of Babylon's warriors are burned to death, throwing the three Jewish lads in. But the three lads are seen walking around, wearing highly combustible clothes, with only the ropes that tied them consumed in the fire, along with another figure who is said to look like a son of the gods. Well, Neb calls them out, and out they walk, and they stand there, not even tainted with the smell of the fire. And King Nebuchadnezzar declares at this point that God's strength and power is greater than his. The God who in chapter 2 had superior understanding and wisdom, the God who reveals mysteries, the things we don't understand, is now being declared to have greater power than his, to deliver his people. Superior power to the powerful ruler. Chapter 2, superior knowledge. Chapter 3, superior power to the powerful human king showing off his human authority. And then we come to chapter 4. And the lesson of chapter 4 of Daniel for people living under brutal regimes is that the God with superior knowledge and understanding, who is the God with superior power, power to deliver from the worst an awful king can do to people he doesn't like, that same God is the one who lifts up and puts down human kings. See, we might be confronted with circumstances that we don't understand why. But with his superior knowledge and with his superior power and power to deliver his people, he understands why. Well, the story of chapter 4 goes like this. Verses 1 to 3, King Nebuchadnezzar writes a letter praising the Most High God for the signs and wonders that Nebuchadnezzar has seen God perform. Well, we've read about them in the previous chapters. Verse 3, how great are his signs, says Nebuchadnezzar. How mighty his wonders. Signs and wonders are the things uh, from the book of Exodus. Signs and wonders specifically are the things that God used to show Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he should not oppress God's people anymore. Fascinating the same words are used here. How great are his signs, says Nebuchadnezzar. How mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Now, that permanence of God's kingdom is going to contrast wildly shortly with the transience of human great kingdoms, specifically King Nebuchadnezzar's. What's brought Nebuchadnezzar to that view? Well, verses 4 to 18, the next section in this chapter 4 of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that, again, the best of Babylon's dream interpreters and fortune tellers can't do anything with. And this involves a tree of enormous height in the middle of the land. And the tree grew large, strong, its top touched the sky, it was visible to the ends of the earth, very prominent. 
Its leaves, its fruit, gave food, food for all under it and shelter and so on. Verse 12 tells us, from it every creature was fed. Now that was the role of the king, perceived in that time and culture. Now surely it wasn't hard to recognise King Nebuchadnezzar as the tree in that dream. In his dream, Nebuchadnezzar saw an angel decreeing it should be cut down and destroyed, but its stump allowed to remain, preserved in the field. And then the angel declares the tree, now he, will become in his lifestyle like a beast of the field. Beast of the field. And his mind will be changed from a man's mind to a beast's mind. Verse 17. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living might know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Now that's very, that's dynamite. In an absolute monarchy, a total dictatorship for people suffering under such rulers. It is God. God, the most high, rules over the kingdoms of men, makes them and breaks them. And in verse 18, making like, I don't know, why didn't Nebuchadnezzar understand that this was him? In verse 18, King Nebuchadnezzar calls on Daniel, Belteshazzar, named after the name of King Neb's God, calls on him to interpret the dream. But unlike the last dream in chapter 2, we all know what this dream means already, surely. And we're wondering what's going to happen next. So fifthly then, in uh, verses 19 to 20, I can't count, that's not fifthly, but don't worry about it. In verses 19 to 27, Daniel interprets the dream as we expect. But in verse 26, Daniel explains the stump left means that Nebuchadnezzar will be restored by God to the kingship after all this happens. And in verse 27, Daniel goes on and he appeals to the king on the basis of the dream, this tree being cut down. He says, break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. That there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. And immediately After Daniel says that, verse 28 is brutally short. All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar, full stop. Bang! In verses 28 to 33, Nebuchadnezzar's hubristic, I'm using that word a lot, proud bragging about how great a king he was. One year after that warning from Daniel, a whole year went by, and there he is. Nebuchadnezzar walking on the roof of his palace. Look at this great city. I built all this. Isn't it marvellous? Aren't I great? Immediately he did that. The dream came true. Because he hadn't repented. And it was still arrogant against God. So in verses 34 to 37 of Daniel 4, we see King Nebuchadnezzar, the beast, going around the place beasting, as it were. But then he comes to his senses. He looks up to heaven and his kingdom is restored. But again, it is Nebuchadnezzar who confesses where he's gone wrong and makes the point, the very point 
of this chapter. Nebuchadnezzar praised and honoured the Most High and praised and honoured him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. Nebuchadnezzar learned the contrast between God's kingdom and uh, even the greatest of human kingdoms. His kingdom, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Verse 35, this God, and here comes the lesson for lads living under violent and brutal government and regimes. This God, he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Nebuchadnezzar's making this point, teaching us this lesson. Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom then gets restored. Nebuchadnezzar teaches the lesson for us. Verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honour the king of heaven. Huge turn round. Before he praised himself, and now he's learned that the great one is actually God. For all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Doesn't he know it? The same sort of point made by him at the beginning. And suddenly, King Nebuchadnezzar has learned to be a very good preacher. (laughs) Or perhaps an exhorter of faithful people, living under an awful, brutal, violent and authoritarian government. You see, verse 35 acknowledged all Daniel said he'd uh, he taught when interpreting the 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 um the opening section in verse 25 none can stay his hand or say to him what have you done the trouble is that when we have to wait and have to take it even if we know this we have to stick it out when it seems we look like dead ringers to lose in that conflict with superabundantly powerful, awful human oppressors. We grow impatient and we despair. Again on social media this week, there was a little video, young people on a a glamorous beach in the sun, you know, the beautiful young things. And there was an attractive young woman on this. It, It looked like a tropical desert island, beautiful blue seas, golden sands and you know, a little bar under a palm roof on the beach. Attractive young woman there. She looked strong. She looked confident. She was. Let's say she was a fine example of youth, right? Obviously, there was another guy there who was obviously her physical superior, a male. And and they set up for an arm wrestle on the bar. And you think this girl? She's got nothing against this guy who is completely ripped, full of muscle. She looked as if she hadn't, had a, hadn't got a chance and he's going to dominate her. But she holds her arm up. And they adjust their grip. And the contest is on. And there are people all around watching what's going to happen. She's working hard to keep up. But she hangs in. And it goes on. And it goes on. And it goes on. And she's still there bulging muscles and after a minute or two the the faces begin to color up on both of them and she holds on 
and there are members of the crowd cheering for either side, and the muscles begin to colour up as they are perfused with blood with the effort that's being deployed, hyper-perfused with blood to fuel those muscles. And finally, finally, she sees this small opportunity, and she seizes it. And when she goes for it, well, she's held out, all she needed to do... uh, was to wear her her superior-looking opposition down, you see. And when she goes for it, she slams his hand down. We need to hold on. In the sure and certain knowledge that our God is the one who reveals mysteries, superior knowledge, the one who delivers against all brutal odds of a, a terrible punishment in a fiery furnace of trial, superior power, Our God is the one who brings down the mighty from their seat and exalts the humble and meek who hold on, who hang in. Superior divine authority. Message of Daniel 4 for people living under regimes that are not favourable. He has superior knowledge, wisdom and understanding. He has superior power to deliver his people, should he see it wise to do so. He raises up and lays down the arrogance of human authority and rule. So hang on. Hang on faithfully to him. Because he is the God who knows. He is the God who delivers. He is the God who delivers final relief from human wickedness in places of power. And under such circumstances, our job, our challenge, our role, our responsibility, not to get tangled up in politics but to walk faithfully and humbly with our God. God bless you. Let's continue to pray for kings and those in authority, that we might live quiet and peaceful lives. Have a great week. (laughs) 